Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things along with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin, our number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. In hour two, I think we have the first interview with Kevin McCarthy after the vote on Liz Cheney. In hour three, we have the former ambassador to the United States from Israel, Ron Dermer. So several big topics to discuss tonight, but I, I want to circle back to Liz Cheney. You see, the debate with and about Liz Cheney is not even about and with Liz Cheney. It is about a Republican party and a decision about what this Republican party wants to be. George W. Bush could not get elected president of the United States again. It's just not possible. George H.W. Bush could not get elected president of the United States again. The two presidents over the last several decades, Republican presidents, who won by massive landslides, or let me turn it this way, who got massive numbers of votes, were Ronald Reagan in two elections and Donald Trump in two elections. 
Now, this Never Trumper movement is not about winning elections. It's not even about winning ideas. People like Mona Charon, who's become quite the whack job. Uh, other individuals who I've known in the past. People like Adam Kingsinger, who lied to get elected the first time. These people have never really embraced the Tea Party. When you look at the editorial page of the Wall Street Journal, they trash the Tea Party left and right, and they embrace John McCain, who trashed the Tea Party left and right. Whether these men served in wars or not, and Liz Cheney, even though her father was a hawk, and I'm much of a hawk myself, if it means defending America, they're blind. They're absolutely blind. Now, what do I mean by that? We are facing a movement within the United States that is destroying our country. And Liz Cheney and Mona Charon and the rest of them, the Bush family, have no answers for it. In fact, they barely even recognize it. While you and we are confronting it, engaging it, fighting it, they're attacking Donald Trump and Donald Trump's supporters. They have no clue about what's taking place in this country. No clue. And they have no answers. As I was saying, the issue with Liz Cheney is not about Liz Cheney. She is illustrative of a problem within the Republican Party. She's really not relevant in the least. She's one member of the House of Representatives. But the left and the never-Trumpers wish to pour their emotions and hopes into her, which, of course, is going nowhere. She's had nothing but contempt for Donald Trump and his supporters long before January 6th. Long before January 6th. So let's not pretend it was about January 6th. Same with Kingsinger, who didn't even vote for Trump the time before last. And they're not alone. But here's Liz Cheney at a press conference she had after she was voted out by the Republicans. Cut six, go. We uh, uh, have had the, the conference meeting. Uh, I uh, am absolutely committed, as I said last night, uh, as, as I said just now to my colleagues, uh, that we must go forward uh, based on truth. We cannot both uh, embrace the big lie and embrace the Constitution. And uh, we're not. What are you talking about? Oh, you're the defender of the Constitution, is that it? But nobody else is. We've talked about this till I'm blue in the face. What was done in at least five states, but Pennsylvania in particular, and three Supreme Court justices who wanted to take up the case. Are they against the Constitution too? Go ahead. Going forward, uh, the nation needs it. The nation needs a strong Republican Party. Uh, the nation needs a party that, uh, that is based upon fundamental principles of conservatism. No, of constitutional and conservatism. Do you not support the Constitution, Liz? Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2? 
Did you read the two cases that were brought, one related to that and one related to another aspect of it? I've never heard you comment on this, ever. Or Tom Ridge. Or Whitman. Or Kingsinger. Or any of the others. Go ahead. I am committed and dedicated to ensuring uh, that that's how this party goes forward, and I plan to lead the fight to do that. Plan to lead the fight to do that? With whom? You know, there's a group of them. I see Barbara Comstock, former congressman from Northern Virginia. She used to work on Capitol Hill. She was quite the uh, conservative bomb thrower back then. I remember. She would call me, and we would work together on various issues, and now she's a lobbyist of sorts. And she's thrown in with the left of the party, Whitman and uh, the others I mentioned, talking about breaking off or starting a new party. That's how much they care about the Republican Party. They have benefited from the Republican Party. They have benefited from conservative uh, activists all these years, conservative donors all these years. But it's all about them. And I've noticed how many of these people are actually narcissists. You can tell Liz Cheney is. Whitman clearly is. Kingsinger through the roof. Let's go to cut seven and listen to the great reporter's question. Go ahead. Do you feel betrayed by today's vote? I do Does not. Does she feel betrayed by today's vote? Because you see she's a victim. Now, of course, there aren't disagreements within the Republican Party, right, ladies and gentlemen? Everybody agrees with everybody. Ted Cruz agrees with Susan Collins all the time. Isn't that the case? And we could name scores of others. So this argument that Liz Cheney has to follow along or else, Liz Cheney wanted to be the conference chair, the number three person in leadership in the House among the Republicans. She failed. They removed her. Turns out she was a dyed-in-the-wool, never-Trumper. She would attack Trump all the time. Long before this, on January 6th. And it would have been nice if Liz Cheney went to the floor of the House and said, but I am very concerned that the people who threw Molotov cocktails and brought guns and other weapons to the Portland courthouse Almost none but one are actually being seriously prosecuted. I'm very, very concerned about Antifa and Black Lives Matter and how our Department of Justice, particularly the FBI, isn't tracking down these people and arresting them. I'm very, very concerned about the treatment these January 6th individuals are receiving in our prisons, even though I disagree with what they did. She didn't do any of that. It's Trump, 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 and she really hates you. That's what it's about. But she's a fighter. A fighter for what? For what? So do you feel betrayed, Liz? What was her answer, Rich? Go ahead. That uh, it is uh, an indication of where the Republican Party is. The problem is the Republican Party. Not her. Not the never-Trumpers. Not the sellout lobbyists. No, 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 no. The problem is you. I'll be right back. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. 
And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things along with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Where the Republican Party is, and wow, that was a horrible four years where the Republican Party is, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? The borders being secured, China being confronted, Israel being supported, more on that later. The economy booming prior to the pandemic and coming into a boom after the pandemic until Screwball screwed it up. Rebuilding the United States military. Wow, that's where the Republican Party was under Donald Trump, trying to put constitutionalists on the court. Donald Trump did more in terms of conservatism and constitutionalism than George W. Bush did in eight years. In eight years. He was weak on immigration in the border. His appointments to the Supreme Court, some were good, but then he tried a few others that were lousy. And we can go on. Liz Cheney cut eight. Go. Are you the leader of the opposition in exile right now? Are you the leader of the opposition? This is the genius Savannah Guthrie, see, because they, they really do think this is a cool thing. Go ahead. I, I intend to be the leader, uh, one of the leaders, in, in a fight. To All right, let's to... stop. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't announce you're a leader. You become a leader. You become a statesman. You don't announce that you're a leader or you're one of the leaders. Now, this is... Pretty amazing. She's actually exposed herself in a very significant way. These never Trumpers do not comprehend what we're facing in this country. These never Trumpers are saboteurs. They can disagree with Donald Trump all they want, fair and square. But that's not what they're doing. They are political arsonists. They are political... I don't know what to say. And so they'd rather see the Republican Party lose. They'd rather see conservatives lose. They'd rather see the Democrats win and Biden win than otherwise. Look at Cindy McCain. Look at so many Republicans. Look at how George W. Bush was gushing to Clyburn at Biden's inauguration. 
how Clyburn had, had helped take down Trump. Look at Romney. Look how Romney conducts himself. They don't have a clue about what's going on because they've been in and around Washington and in and around the cafes with members of Congress and so forth, which is fine, but now they're part of the problem. These are pseudo-conservatives. These are pseudo-constitutionalists. If Liz Cheney really gave one damn wit about the United States Constitution, she would have supported the litigation in Pennsylvania that challenged what was taking place in Pennsylvania based on the federal and state constitution, not even on ballots or machines. She wouldn't do it. She didn't support it. And again, there were three Supreme Court justices in the one case who wanted to take up the case. How do we know? They said so later in another case that this isn't going away. And ladies and gentlemen, it isn't going away. And as a result, we have H. H.R. 1 and S. 1, which would destroy our voting system, make the Democrat Party the party in power for all time. So if you oppose what the Democrats are trying to do in Washington, you should have opposed what they were doing in the state of Pennsylvania. Liz Cheney said nothing. And she condemned Josh Hawley, who was raising it as an issue. I'll be right back. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things, along with Hillsdale College professors, right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, We can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. You're listening to Denali. The Great One. The Great One. And you can call in now. 877-381-3811. Now, this is a big deal, the Liz Cheney matter. Not because of what the media say. Not because of what the Never Trumpers say. But because it indicates how sick our political system is. She's busy trying to take out Donald Trump, who's already not president of the United States. She says she needs to take over the Republican Party. Why? She won a single House seat in Wyoming? On what authority? Talk about the mind of an autocrat. The mind of an autocrat. Here's the problem, ladies and gentlemen. Let me put it to you this way. There was a big piece on how George W. Bush and Michelle Obama are actually best friends. They get along great. They're best friends. They get along great. Now this is an amazing thing to me. 
you can be respectful, you can be nice to each other, but your best friends? Was somebody who's preaching critical race theory? Really? Do you have no common sense whatsoever? So George Bush, Liz Cheney, for all their toughness, for all their talk and so forth, they would never join you and me in the battles that we're having to deal with here. Never. Never. So who do they represent? Exactly. This is a problem. There's a complete disconnect. A complete disconnect. It's like bringing Carl Rove on our favorite cable channel to discuss poor Liz Cheney. What happened to Liz Cheney? He's part of that milieu. That's, that's what they do. Nothing against him either. Seems like a nice enough guy. But he's not representative of anyone or anything in particular except the Bush-Cheney clan. We have a country to save. We have a country to save. Liz Cheney, for all her bravado, isn't prepared to help save the country. She's too busy, really, fighting in the mirror with an ex-president and attacking the base. And you see, the Republican Party needs to change. The Republican Party is on the precipice of non-existence. That's what HR1 and S1 are all about. So while she's fighting with an ex-president, and while she's making the most outrageous statements about January 6th, which comports, of course, with all the outrageous statements being spewed by the left in the media, and therefore she is praised while she's doing all that, you're losing your classrooms, your kids are being brainwashed, we're losing our economic system, to the climate change fanatics. Our borders wide open. I don't think George W. Bush minds that too much. Our borders are wide open. People are getting hurt. They're getting abused. And this is what she's focused on. That's why they removed her as the conference chair of the Republican Party. She's not in reality. We have big tech banning people, banning speech. I don't hear her taking the lead on these things. She's not taking the lead on things that are crucially important to us as a people. She's stuck. She's stuck. In our colleges today, we're getting... Graduate after graduate after graduate who's being indoctrinated in Marxism. Has she lifted a finger to fight that? Let me give you an example. Let's talk about public school classrooms today. Publishers are pushing out books on critical race theory now at a brisk pace. Educational materials are being used in public school classrooms throughout America to indoctrinate and brainwash children. Now, here's the thing. They're getting some resistance in some counties, which is very, very important. But in some counties, they're all for it. In some school systems, Chicago, Buffalo, New York, 
L.A., they're using it. They're promoting it. It's as if we have two different school systems going on in this country. This is enormously dangerous. School teachers are being re-educated and trained in critical race theory. For example, and this is in American Marxism. Is everyone really equal in introduction to key concepts in social justice education? It's a popular book by Oslam Sensoy and Robin D'Angelo circulating throughout public education circles. In the book's foreword, James A. Banks, editor of the Multicultural Education Series, explains the agenda. He says, this trenchant and timely book is written to help both pre-service and practicing teachers attain the knowledge, attitudes, and skills needed to work effectively with students from diverse backgrounds, including mainstream groups. A major assumption of this book is that teachers need to develop a critical social justice perspective in order to understand the complex issues related to race, gender, class, and exceptionality in the United States and Canada, and to teach in ways that will promote social justice and equality. The education departments in our colleges are actually the worst of the worst. The worst of the worst. Banks cautions that one of the most challenging tasks that those of us who teach multicultural education courses to teacher education students experiences resistance to the knowledge and skills that we teach. This resistance as deep roots in the communities in which most teach education students are socialized as well as the mainstream knowledge that becomes institutionalized within the academic community and the popular culture. First of all, you notice how verbose these eggheads are. Now let's look at how the book breaks down its chapters. You ready? This is the indoctrination for teachers in public schools. One of the most popular books. Chapter 1. How to Engage Constructively in Courses that Take a Critical Social Justice Approach. Chapter 2, Critical Thinking and Critical Theory, that was invented by communists. Communists. Herbert Marcuse, I told you about him yesterday. Chapter 3, Culture and Socialization. Chapter 4, Prejudice and Discrimination. Chapter 5, Oppression and Power, straight out of the Communist Manifesto. Chapter 6, Understanding Privilege Through Ableism. They like to make up words. Chapter 7, Understanding the Invisibility of Oppression Through Sexism. Chapter 8, Understanding the Structural Nature of Oppression Through Racism. Remember what I told you? It's the oppress-oppressor model. Chapter 9, Understanding the Global Organization of Racism Through White Supremacy. It's global. Chapter 10, Understanding Intersectionality Through Classism. We'll talk more about intersectionality another day. Chapter 11, Yeah, But Common Rebuttals. Chapter 12, Putting It All Together. So he describes the ideological agenda intended by his book for educators. Banks says, We hope to take our readers on a journey that results in an increased ability to see beyond the immediate surface level to the deeply embedded injustice. Injustice that for so many of us is normal and taken for granted. Looking head on at injustice can be painful, especially when we understand that we all have a role in it. 
However, in taking our readers on this journey, we do not intend to inspire guilt or assign blame. At this point in society, guilt and blame, one second, circle something, guilt and blame are not useful or constructive. No one reading, nor on reading this book had a hand, no one, excuse me, reading this book had a hand uh, in creating the systems that hold injustice in place after all. It's pretty shocking. CRT is now firmly entrenched in American universities and colleges. Its reach is widespread. It is spreading like a virus in our public schools, in your kids' classrooms. Many of you know it. Many of you are concerned about it. Many of you are trying to deal with it. So we have this spreading American Marxism. And Liz Cheney while she's ready, worried about the spreading of Marxism overseas, and I certainly share that concern, she's undermining our effort here at home. She's a distraction. She's now, unfortunately, a useful idiot. That's why the Republicans had to do what they did today. People need to lead on these issues, America. People need to lead on these issues, the Republicans in the House and the Senate need to understand what we're up against. The Bush family does not. As I said, George Bush's, one of his best friends is Michelle Obama, who, who pushes this, this perversity. And so he can't stand up to it. And he never will. And he never has. And neither is Liz Cheney. So you need to have the right people in the right place in order to do battle with this, this wretched ideology. By the way, those of you who have pre-ordered your copies of American Marxism, I want to thank you very, very much. We now have pre-orders of almost 65,000 copies. In total, with e-books and audio, almost 75,000 units. And once we hit 100,000 on the pre-orders, I really feel this will become a very, very powerful movement, spontaneous from the bottom up. From the bottom up. And I hope this book contributes to the effort the way liberty and tyranny contributed to the Tea Party movement. From the bottom up. Not from Washington and Capitol Hill down, from the bottom up. And this is also what she, Liz Cheney, the Bushes and the others don't comprehend. They didn't like the Tea Party movement. Boehner attacked the Tea Party movement. It was attacked in the pages of the editorial pages of the Wall Street Journal. But who cares what they like? These are our children. These are our grandchildren. And this is our country. Who gives a damn what they like? So I hope you'll head over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or Walmart or wherever you like to go online and purchase your books. Because we need to hit that mark. If we hit that mark, then I feel like we're on the remove, big time. And I feel like the spontaneity, and let me use the Marxist term, the intersectionality of the movement with American Marxism, the book, and we will be back. Mark Lovin. Are you worried about America's future? 
times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things along with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Tell you what, I said to my wife last night, I have the greatest audience in the world, the greatest people listening to this program in the world. There we were, slipped the number six or seven behind Stacey Abrams and Seth Rogen, Rogen being number five and Abrams being number eight now. And you people rally. That's what you do. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. I think once you get the book, let me just say this to you. This isn't a, uh, a book that was written in three months. This isn't a book that was written by co-authors or ghostwriters. This isn't a book that was researched by a team of uh, people hired by the publisher. I did all of this. I'm the rare author who does. But this book won't be able to be read in one night or two nights and three nights. This book has to be devoured like a good steak, one bite at a time, one chapter at a time, one paragraph at a time, because there's so much in here that you're going to need to take the time to digest it. It is brain food. It really is. Not because I wrote it, but I reread it, and I said, you know what? I think this will do it. I think this will do it. I never, never, as Rush told me, first thing he advised me 20 years ago, never take your audience for granted and never, ever think your audience is stupid. I have never thought this audience is, that's for sure. Because you listen night in and night out is some of the most heavy discussion on radio anywhere in the country. And I give you kudos. <coughs> Excuse me. I give you kudos for that. It's not always easy. But I want you to go away with something. Not just another slapdash or, you know, thought or something like that ripped off from somebody else. And that's the way these books go. And this is by far, in my opinion, the most important book I've ever written. It's the longest book I've ever written because of the, the dire circumstances that we face. That the never-Trumpers just don't get. But you do. And as I said, we're going to have to be able to put aside certain differences with other people. 
which Liz Cheney was incapable of doing. Mona Charon is incapable of doing. They want to keep running into walls. Well, we're not going to follow them. And why would we? They have nothing to offer. And so, that's the purpose here. And I want to thank you. I want to thank you. And I want to encourage you to get your pre-orders while you can early on. The publishing world is watching this. They know what I'm telling you. The book review pages of the New York Times and the Washington Post, they know this is going on. They're trying to pretend it's not. At some point they will strike. And we will be ready. I just wanted to thank you and tell you how how proud I am and how kind you are. But we're going to do this together. We're going to do this together. We're going to build this movement and we're going to do what we need to do. And you're the Thomas Paines of the modern era. You. You're the Paul Revere's of the modern era. And a hundred years from now, I pray, and two hundred years from now, your great-great-grandchildren will be looking back and saying, my family saved this country. I sure as hell hope so. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I failed to mention, I will be on Hannity tonight. 9.35 p.m. Eastern Time, 9.35 p.m. Eastern Time. Kevin McCarthy, the Republican leader in the House, is scheduled to be on this program in about 10 minutes. And in the final hour of the program, we're going to talk and go deep on what's going on in Israel uh, with the former ambassador to the United States from Israel. That will be Ron Dermer. But before we do all of that, I heard Joe Biden say today, We need to graduate more kids who are highly skilled and educated to fight the cyber wars that are going on. He says, I've been saying this a long time, and then I thought to myself, isn't this the administration that is trying to destroy merit in our school systems? Isn't this the administration that doesn't lift a finger when the Commonwealth of Virginia is dumbing down mathematics and science by getting rid of these these advanced classes, and we have one of the finest math and science schools in the country in Northern Virginia, and now we're getting into a quota system? Joe Biden is full of crap, always has been. There's a woman who showed up, I believe, at the Loudoun County, Virginia. It seems to be uh, the number one place where a lot of this stuff is being hatched. It's the wealthiest suburb in America, actually the wealthiest county in America. I'm not counting counties with 14 people in it, but that's that's what it said. And they have a new school board, you see, and the school board is Democrat, and the school board is instituting all this stuff as fast as it can. So a mother showed up at the school board meeting. 
a black mother. She showed up at the school board meeting. And she was not very happy. Cut 19, go. In the words of Martin Luther King Jr., I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Now I have a dream that we will implement love, not hate, or supporting another Jim Crow's agenda. CRT is not an honest dialogue. It is a tactic that was used by Hitler and the Ku Klux Klan on slavery very many years ago to dumb down my ancestors. So we could not think for ourselves. CRT is racist. It is abusive. It discriminates against one's color. Let me educate you. An honest dialogue does not impress, oppress. An honest dialogue does not implement hatred or injustice. It's to communicate with deceiving, without deceiving people. Today, we don't need your agreement. We want action in the backbone for what we asked for today, to ban CRT. We don't want your political advertisement to divide our children or belittle them. Think twice before you indoctrinate such racist theories. You cannot tell me what is or is not racist. Look at me. I had to come down here today to tell you to your face that we are coming together and we are strong. This will not be the last. Greet and meet respectfully. Look at me, she says. She's an African-American. Look at me. Look at me. We are coming together. We are strong. This will not be the first. Excuse me. This will not be the last. Meet and greet. Respectfully. Maybe we'll see more and more of this. I think we will. We have to help light a fuse for a revolution against what's taking place in our classrooms. This patriotic wonderful mother sees exactly that because critical race theory also destroys minorities particularly African Americans it destroys them it destroys their character it destroys their motivation because just as it puts whites in a group it puts blacks in a group not individual human beings with individual interests, individual characters, individual motivations, and on and on. No, no, no. Blacks are as victimized as whites, ultimately. Because you're not treated as an individual human being. You're put in a group, as Marx wanted you put in a group, so that you can be manipulated. So you can be angry. Saying you be at each other's throats. Look overseas. Look at the Palestinian Authority and Hamas. This is how they live. This is what they want. We don't want it here in America. You don't want our country filled with radical hate mongers like Talib and Omar. Talib and Omar. How come... There's all this talk about Liz Cheney and what she said to praise her for which she should be denounced. And yet Rashida Tlaib, nobody's talking about her. Nobody's talking about Rashida Tlaib. And here she is, cut three on MSNBC. She's given a platform in major media. Cut three, go. I mean, this is an apartheid system. I mean, I mean, 
Israel's own prominent human rights organization, Beth Salam, has declared it. Human Rights Watch has declared it. And Palestinians on the ground have been telling us for decades uh, that they've been their homes have been demolished, that they've been targeted, that they that violence has been met by uh, Israeli led forces uh, under Netanyahu's racist policies. But we're really telling Palestinians fighting apartheid is the same thing being told to my fellow black Americans across our country here and that are fighting against police brutality. I told you the other day. I know of nobody who hates America and loves Israel. I know of nobody who loves America and hates Israel. You see, they hate America and they hate Israel. Because these are very humane societies. Talib doesn't come out of a very humane society. Her parents don't, which is why they came to the United States, to escape the Palestinian situation under the Palestinians. And Palestinians are not free to come forward and tell us what's going on in the Gaza Strip. They're not free to come forward and tell us what's going on in the Palestinian Authority or they'll be murdered. Murdered. If you're a Palestinian and you want to sell your home to a Jew, it's a capital offense. You'll be murdered. Palestinian Authority uses American money has in the past, Trump cut it off, will now, to give pensions to the families of terrorists. The more Jews you kill, and Americans, by the way, the bigger your pension. You and I were paying for this. Apartheid, she says, apartheid. You want to hear about apartheid? How many Jews live in the Palestinian Authority area? None. How many Jews? You want to hear about apartheid? How many Jews are left in Libya? How many Jews are left in Iraq? How many Jews are left in Syria? How many Jews are left in Saudi Arabia? How many Jews are left in Lebanon? How many Jews are left in Jordan? You want to talk apartheid? Let's talk apartheid. For that matter, how many Christians are left in any of these countries? Very damn few. Cut four, go. So sometimes I start, I don't even use sometimes occupation or nothing because they don't understand now, that. Now what the hell am I doing? Shut the hell up, you anti-Semite. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to pure talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to pure talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. 
That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Well, we have with us the Republican leader of the House of Representatives, Kevin McCarthy. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Mark. How are you? Let me look. I am doing great, thank you. A um, couple of things I wanted to discuss with you. First of all, Liz Cheney has been removed as the number three uh, Republican uh, leader in the House. And you're giving the reason why, and people simply won't accept it. Explain to the American people why she was removed by the others and, uh, and why it was necessary. Well, I think everyone has to realize that you get elected to Congress by your constituents. You get elected to leadership by the conference, and we serve at the pleasure of the conference. Um, people want to go out there and say, oh, this is about impeachment and what someone says, something right. No, if that was the case, she would have been let go before. The challenge is, if you're the conference chair, your responsibility, you, your work is the message, right? Here we are with gas lines we haven't seen since Jimmy Carter. Inflation. The biggest inflation for the core inflation since 1981. We got missiles flying in Israel. We've got um, inf- a government that wants to expand bigger than the New Deal and incentivize people not to work. We've got Russia going into our companies. We got China playing in the South China Sea. We got Iran shooting missiles at our ships. And she wants to talk about something in the past instead of defeating what the Democrats are destroying our nation. It's mm-hmm. as simple as that. If you can't do the job, someone else will do it. But she's always had a hate for Trump. Long before January 6th, she was trashing the hell out of him. Don't you? I mean, oh, that, yeah. that's how I saw it. Yeah, the, you, you saw it with the uh, attack when it was the uh, Russian bounty that was not true. Um, a number of different items. All right, let's talk about the agenda. Yes. We have inflation that is building up, and we haven't even gotten close to where it's going to wind up. It's almost impossible to put inflation back in the bag without a recession and a lot of pain. I remember Reagan had to do it, and he, yep, and he, he bit the bullet. the interest rates. Yeah, 12, because 14%. they were 14%. People were having trouble getting mortgages at 15 14 13%. Could you imagine buying a house back then? I remember, I remember I when did. I first bought my house. After I had eight percent interest rate. And I thought that was great interest. Rate. Uh, you were. It was. I had twelve and a half percent. But here's the thing. He still Biden wants to spend another four trillion dollars on top of. Even some of the Democrat economists are saying, "Slow down, Joe." But he's not going to slow down. He doesn't want to slow down. What's that all about? All right, I just had my first meeting in the Oval Office, my first meeting with President Biden. Yeah, tell us about this. Okay, he wanted to talk about infrastructure. We talked about infrastructure. But then I said, Mr. President, I want to take this opportunity because we haven't met before uh, since you've been president. Wait, 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 wait. wait. This is the first time you've met him? First time I met him since he's been president. First time we talked. That's shocking. I saw him in the front line. Yeah. When President Trump was in, within the first three days, he had the bicameral, bipartisan meeting of both leaderships in the White House. No, not even talking. So I go in there, and I said, I am scared to death with what I see. We saw the month over month of core inflation items like we haven't seen since 81. And you've gone economy where you're going to put more money. We've got a supply constraint. 
and then you're incentivizing people not to work. It is the opposite of everything you should be doing. We're going to end up back like Jimmy Carter, and I'm scared to death of what's happening, Mr. President. And then the other thing I brought up to him, I want to talk about the border. Mr. President, I've been down there. The vice president is sitting in the room. And you know what? For every single American, those young baby girls, one at 11 months yesterday, all by themselves, if it wasn't for that rancher, they wouldn't even be alive to this day. This is what's happening. Mm-mm-mm. And what did he say? Anything? Well, he, he went on about the border like he inherited something wrong. You inherited a Chicago border. You had the governor of California claim the population in California went down last year because Trump secured the border. That was his argument. Trump secured the border, so fewer illegals got to get into California, so California, for the, for the first time, had a lower population. Can you believe that was the argument? Do you think, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, do you think he's a dumb man or you just think he is a stubborn man? I haven't seen yet. Uh, the, the times I worked with him before, he wasn't a stubborn man. And um, I don't know if he's changed. I haven't spent time with him here. But I don't know if he's letting somebody else run because he is not the same man that I knew when he was vice president. Because he has gone further than Bernie Sanders. True story. Mm-hmm. When he gave that joint agreement that most people refer to as the State of the Union, you go back and you greet him. That's the first time I was greeting him since the inaugural day, right? I walk out, and then there's a line, you know, and it's Bernie Sanders. I walk up to Bernie Sanders, and this is the truth. I look at Bernie in the eye, and I said, Bernie, did you ever think you'd be more conservative than the President <laughs> of the United States? Swear to God. He starts to laugh and says no. Wow, oh, so he agrees with you. Yes. Think of this. When you looked at the New Deal, which people would thought, oh, my God, it's the most we've ever spent. That was a little over like 5.5% of the GDP. What this administration has proposed, along with their budget, is like 27% of GDP. He inherited an economy that's growing, what, 5 6%? And then he wants to pile trillions of dollars on. He's got a supply constraint. Every economist would tell you in the world, that is the worst thing you can do. You're going to drive inflation. You've got inflation, what's happening right now since 1981. You know what that is? That's a tax increase on every single American. Mm-hmm. You've got the, ta- the national gasoline price is the highest it's been since the last time he was at the White House. I think I'm paying 3 bucks ninety now. I think last year I was paying like 2 and a half. 280, something oh like that. Oh, my God, you're in California. You pay almost five. But this has all the makings of Jimmy Carter. This is going to be stagflation. This is going to be probably when you had one of the best economies, when he says, build back better. I said, no, 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 no. Let's just build back how we were. 3.5% unemployment. Everybody could have a job. We incentivized people going to work. It didn't matter what color your skin is. It didn't matter what your education was. You had a job if you wanted it. The only area in the polls where he seems to have positive number is on the vaccines. And it's amazing how he's been able to plagiarize that, pretty much, from Donald Trump. And uh, I guess that's the media, but that's really the only, the only positive area for him. How are we going to tell the truth? How are we going to yeah, tr- get the truth out when the media is in his back pocket? I'll tell you, you look at this media, my gosh. It's, I watch every, I watch how hard they went after me. They think I'm the new Donald Trump, attack me for every little thing, just because I'm willing to work forward and 
build the country back and stand up against the socialism. They are going to run out of everybody else's money. I mean, if you study modern history, this is Venezuela. This is Hugo Chavez getting in in a democracy, trying to pack the courts, trying to promise you everything from daycare to free college, can't afford it, so then takes over your businesses. Gives away the IP for the vaccine that the American companies created that the other countries could not. That's shocking. That is shocking. Do that in the future. That destroys our R and D. Think about it. You know what China is doing right now. China's vaccine does not work, but they're utilizing it to other countries to get Huawei and everything else they want to influence their military bases. Here we are that have not one, but two, but three vaccines that are just working at 95% level. Everybody wants them. We could produce them. The American ingenuity created them, solved the problem. Let them go sell and produce it. But no, what does he think in a social view? No, give it all away for free. You're not going to get anybody else to invest and do it again. All right. Well, I think you guys did a good thing. You have your number three slot open. I mean, we, yes. we have got to be united in battling uh, the left, or they're going to destroy this country. We, if we can't take back the House this time, I don't know that we're going to get another chance. We're going to take back the House, and more importantly, we're going to take back this country. Amen. Kevin McCarthy, thank you, sir. All right, my friend. You take care. All right. We'll be right back. This is where Hollywood liberals come for rehab. The Mark Levin Show is back at 877-381-3811. John Kerry testified today, and you know what I think about that? I don't care. I've got clips from what he had to say. He's an idiot. We already know that he's an idiot. So there's no reason to play clips that demonstrate that he's an idiot. You already know that Talib and Omar are anti-Semites and they're anti-American. I played one clip too many I think, when it comes to them. By the way, I'll be on Hannity tonight. 9.35 p.m. Eastern Time. I hope you'll join me. Has the Biden administration, Mr. Producer, put out a strong, affirmative, definitive statement condemning the Palestinian Authority? Have they put out a strong, definitive statement condemning the Palestinians? No. Now they'll condemn Hamas. That's easy to do. Have they put out a strong statement defending Israel? Now they use this phrase, Israel has a right to defend itself. That's a throwaway line. That's from a fortune cookie. Of course Israel has the right to defend itself, and of course Israel will defend itself. But they also talk in the language of the Israel hater, which is, there's a clash between the two sides. There's not a clash between the two sides. There's a good side and a bad side. The bad side attacked the good side. That's not a clash between two sides. And Israel's escalating its, its attacks. No, Israel's defending itself. Did Israel fire 2,000 missiles into Gaza City? Did Israel fire 2,000 middles, uh, missiles in the Palestinian Authority territory? No, it didn't. If Israel wanted to wipe Hamas and everything on the Gaza Strip off the face of the earth, it would have been done already. 
If Israel wanted to wipe Abbas and his family and all the other crooks associated with that movement off the face of the earth, they would have already. But they don't, do they? Conversely, if Hamas and Abbas and all the rest of them in the Palestinian leadership had the power that Israel had, what do you think they do to the Jewish people? Well, we saw some of it in Lod. A modern crystal knock. We saw it in 1948 when the Jordanians burned the, the synagogues in Jerusalem. And Talib is there talking about apartheid. As I said before, you want to see apartheid? Look at every single Arab country in the Middle East. How many Jews are left there? Jews used to populate all these countries. Almost none. And as I said, how many Christians are there? Almost none. You want to see apartheid? That's apartheid. But that said, there was a breakout of peace in the Middle East as recently as September under President Trump. In comes Biden and his cronies, drawn from the Obama administration and worse. They can't wait to give hundreds of millions of dollars to the Palestinians without any strings attached. Like, you know, can you stop killing Jews? Eh, can't agree to that. Can you at least recognize the existence of the state of it? Nah, I can't do that. Hey, we need a two, two-state solution, don't you think? No, I don't, as a matter of fact. How can you have a two-state solution? It would be Israel's final solution. And of course, Biden and the boys and girls have breathed new life into the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran. Oh yeah. Into Tehran. It's as if everything you could do wrong is being done. Whether it's domestic policy or foreign policy. And it's quite shocking, really. We have 8.1 million unfilled jobs in this country. And yet we have the highest level of unemployment insurance in the history of the country, state and federal combined. A massive government welfare expansion. And we have 8.1 million unfilled jobs. So why are you massively expanding the welfare rolls? Why are you massively expanding unemployment benefits when little businesses are going out of business because they can't find people to hire. They can't compete with the welfare system. They can't compete with these unemployment checks. Little stores can't compete with the federal government. After these damn blue state governors shut down these businesses, they're trying to open, and now they have to fight Biden and the feds. Biden and the feds. We've got really serious inflation problems now. And Biden wants to spend $4 trillion more trillion. You have to really be a... No wonder the guy flunked 
Let me put it that way. No wonder the guy flunked he needed to plagiarize to graduate college or law school or whatever the hell it was. Maybe he plagiarized more than once. Apparently he didn't plagiarize in his economics class because he doesn't know what the hell's going on. Which is very troublesome. I want to read you something. From the Epic Times, which is a subscription service, but it is a fantastic site. And I want to ask you if this sounds familiar to you. This is from today. More than 120 retired U.S. generals and admirals signed an open letter warning that the United States is embroiled in an existential fight and urged all citizens to get involved in local and state politics. Quote, we are in a fight for our survival as a constitutional republic like no other time since our founding in 1776. The conflict is between supporters of socialism and Marxism versus supporters of constitutional freedom and liberty, states the letter, which was signed by 124 former military leaders released by Flag Officers for America. I wonder if uh, Mattis and Kelly signed that letter. I'm starting to think a lot of these generals and admirals listen to this program, Mr. Producer. Marxism versus constitutionalism. That is precisely what's going on here. The letter also posited that opposition to proposed bills and laws that would strengthen election initiatives has troublesome implications. Election integrity demands ensuring there is one legal vote cast and counted per citizen. Signatories included retired Army Brigadier General Donald Bolduck, a Senate candidate in New Hampshire, retired Army Lieutenant General William Boykin, and retired Vice Admiral John Poindexter. Yay! That a boy, John. Was the Deputy National Security Advisor to President Ronald Reagan. China is the greatest external threat to America, they write. Establishing cooperative relations with the Chinese Communist Party emboldens them to continue progress toward world domination, militarily, economically, politically, and technologically. We must impose more sanctions and restrictions to impede their world domination goal and protect America's interests, it says. Other threats they list include the United States re-entering the Iran nuclear deal, illegal immigration, the stoppage of the Keystone XL pipeline project. I mean, why would the ransom cyber warriors, Mr. Producer, bother shutting down our pipeline when Joe Biden will shut it down for him? Isn't that the plan? No carbon emissions by, what is it, 2035 or 2030 or 2040, something like that? Well, that means all the pipelines have to shut down. So I would think Joe Biden would be praising this. America, you like the long lines? You like the price of gasoline? You like the price of inflation? Well, this is what the Green New Deal is going to serve you. Plastic, steel, oil, gasoline, electricity, everything, food, Toys, lumber, prices are going to go up because they're at war with our energy system. And as I've explained to you, and as I write in the book, this is the degrowth movement. It's not about climate change, for God's sakes. Climate change? This is a war on your lifestyle. So you are, so you are owed or owned, I should say, owned by the state. Your health care from the state. Your food from the state. 
The state determines how much electricity you're going to use, how much gasoline. The state, meaning the feds. No climate change movement, for God's sakes. Then we have this idiot, retired Admiral Mike Mullen, former head of the Joint Chiefs, said that the letter hurts the military, and by extension, it hurts the country. Shut up, you idiot. It doesn't hurt the military, and it doesn't hurt this country. It's about time jerks like you went to the back row, and the great patriots speak out. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs, with the absolute best consumer service team, based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Let's try this one. Maybe I'll say this on the Hannity tonight. Joe Biden has Hugo Chavez's domestic policy, Jimmy Carter's foreign policy, and Professor Erwin Corey's delivery. You like that, Mr. Producer? What a disaster. Wrecking ball Joe. That's what he is. He's a wrecking ball. So what do we see here? The first hundred days... Can't wait for the next hundred, can you, ladies and gentlemen? What could go wrong? What could go wrong in the next hundred days under Joe Biden? And by the way, who is really running this administration? Is it this guy? Ron Klain, his chief of staff? Big-time lobbyist? Another knucklehead? Is it him? Obviously, Joe gets tired. I mean, he makes the final decisions. And where is Joe every weekend? Isn't it amazing? We know where we even know where Donald Trump is every weekend. Where is Joe Biden every weekend? Where's wrecking ball Joe? Where is he? We don't know. Now often he goes back to Wilmington to one of his many estates, which he earned the, you know, the hard way as a member of the Senate. Came very, very rich uh, as a US senator and thereafter. Nobody knows how or why, but nobody seems to care. Maybe Hunter knows. But anyway, why does he keep going home back to Wilmington, Delaware? I have a theory. Does he have a doctor there? I'm just asking. I'm just asking because it's all so secret. And of course, the corrupt American media doesn't give a damn. No, they're still chasing Trump. (laughs) Damn fools. Mr. Producer, do we have a lib or do we have a regular American on the line there, sir? Oh, our call 
system is down, ladies and gentlemen. You want to try and take them cold? Does that work or not? I don't want to cut us off the air. We're having a uh, North Korea moment here. We're trying to patch things together with Band-Aids and toothpaste. But then again, they don't have Band-Aids and toothpaste. You want to try one? Go ahead. Give it a shot. Yes, how may I help you? Yeah, hi. My name's Larry. I live in Rock Now, Larry, River. what kind of pizza did you order, with or without pepperonis? <laughs> no pepperoni. Are you sure you called the right number, Larry? Oh, yes, I called the right do number. Do you like the thin sliced, the thick slice, or do you, what kind of pizza do you like? How may I help you? I like, I like well done and thin sliced. Hmm. You're not a lib, are you sure? Oh, absolutely, sir. All right, how may I help you? <laughs> okay, I heard you talking earlier about critical race theory in the schools, and I have a very, very prescient uh, time today because we were listening on our school board meeting tonight, and uh, coming to the meeting were some Black Lives Matter folks that were trying to get a proposal pushed in our school system that would um, have uh, minorities hired five in five years as part of a diversity for our school system. And what school system is this? Rocky River, Ohio. Rocky River, Ohio, a well-known white supremacist community. Is that correct? (laughs) I would not say that, sir. No. Nice suburb outside of Cleveland, sir. Well, there you go. Can't have that. Very, very nice community. Can't have that. Can't have that. No. I know. This is really a uh, it's a cancer spreading throughout the country. Black Lives Matter uh, called Israel apartheid and said they ought to give the land to the indigenous people. Well, the indigenous people are the Jews. They've been there 3,000 years. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. It's a pleasure to have the former ambassador to the United States from Israel, Ron Dermer, also a confidant of the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu. Now, uh... Ron Dermy, hundreds if not thousands of missiles have been fired at Israel, particularly the population centers from Hamas, Islamic Jihad, God knows who else. And I hear in the American media talking about, well, maybe we can bring this to a close. Both sides need to tamp it down. What is it about both sides need to tamp it down? Was not Israel attacked? Well, there shouldn't be uh, both sides when it comes to a terror organization uh, and a democratic state. And that's what you have here. You have Hamas, which is an internationally recognized terror organization that fired uh, over a thousand rockets into Israeli cities. We've had millions of Israelis who've had to go to bomb shelters. We've had several Israelis who were killed. Uh, Just today, a six-year-old 
uh, was killed by an incoming rocket, a six-year-old who lives in Steyrot. We had a soldier who was killed by an anti-tank weapon. We had yesterday two Arab Israelis, uh, a father and a daughter, were killed by an incoming Hamas rocket. And so anyone who is trying to create any kind of moral equivalency between a terror organization uh, and the state of Israel should be ashamed of themselves. And Benjamin Netanyahu spoke, and he sounded like a man on a mission that uh, uh, we're not going to come to some easy peace here. We need to crush the people who've done this. Am I reading that right? Yeah, you are reading it because what happened is this uh, Hamas tried to stir the pot, try, uh, fired a rocket into Jerusalem, into our capital, um, and they would like nothing better than just to stop right now because they achieved their goals from their point of view. They don't want Israel to respond. They don't want Israel to fight back. Imagine uh, thousands of rockets coming into American cities, and then the terror organization says, you know what, we want to cease fire. We want to cease fire. Obviously, we're not going to accept that because we have to exact a very heavy price from Hamas in order to restore deterrence, not just to immediately restore security for a few weeks or a few months. We have to restore deterrence. And that is based on how you how do you actually restore deterrence is you've got to exact such a heavy price that they understand that this was a big mistake, them deciding to initiate this violence. And you have to convince them that it would be a big mistake for them to do so in the future. That's how you restore deterrence. And we do that by taking out several Hamas terrorists, which we did today, actually quite a few, destroying capabilities, command centers, weapons depots of Hamas in Gaza to diminish those terror uh, those terrorist capabilities. Uh, and we're going to continue to do that until we feel that Hamas understands that this is completely unacceptable. And the best thing the international community can do, instead of I issuing these wishy-washy statements that actually only make the problem worse, they can back Israel forcefully, say that they back Israel's right to defend itself against these terrorists. And when the terror organizations understand that they have no support or very little support in the international community, then they understand that they're not going to be able to achieve their goals. Those in the international community that talk about a cycle of violence and both sides and everybody has to you know, remain calm, of course we'd like to restore calm, but we cannot allow a terror organization to win. And I think everybody who wants to see peace in this region should be backing Israel in fighting against terrorists. It's that simple. I'm watching the American media again, including an individual from my favorite cable network, and the way they report this is they take the casualty numbers that Hamas gives them, and they keep reporting dozens of children have been killed or casualties and so forth. Isn't this what Hamas wants in a sickening way? Isn't this the reason they place their military outlets in certain places? Hamas didn't have to fire missiles into Israel. Hamas knew the consequences, even though Israel tries their pinpoint strikes. It's impossible to miss everybody. What's your response to this? Well, that's correct. What Hamas is doing is they are committing a double war crime. They are targeting civilians that when they fire their rockets, they're trying to kill as many Israelis as possible. They don't care if they kill children, women, makes no difference for them. They just want to kill as many Israelis as possible. But they also, as you mentioned, they also place their missiles in areas next to schools, mosques. They have a command center next to a hospital for crying out loud. These are people who don't care about the lives of their own citizens, and they use them as human shields. And what they do, they play this game with the international media, and the international media, like Pavlov's dog, always responds 
virtually always responds the same way. They attack us, Hamas attacks us, we have to respond in the most surgical way. And even the best army in the world, when you're dealing with terrorists who embed themselves in civilian areas, we can do everything we can to avoid civilian casualties. But unfortunately, when you're fighting a war, even the most precision weapons that you have, you're going to have civilian casualties, which is a tragedy from our point of view. We're trying to minimize the civilian casualties on their side. And we take measures that no army in the history of the world has taken to avoid civilian casualties on the other side. And mind you, Mark, we're doing this when our own citizens are being rocketed. This is not a war that is taking place thousands of miles away. This is right at home. We've got millions of Israelis in bomb shelters, and yet our army is acting with tremendous restraint, tremendous restraint to avoid civilian casualties among the Palestinians. And what they do, what the terror organizations do, is they believe that any time you have a civilian that gets killed on their side, immediately the world will come down on Israel, will pressure Israel, pressure Israel to stop. And that's how they achieve their goals. And it's wrong. And if the international community wants to actually not only uh, uh, support Israel, which I'm not sure that they do, but if they want to actually protect Palestinian civilians and keep them out of harm's way, they should back Israel and place the blame squarely at the doorstep of Hamas, where it belongs. If Hamas and other terror organizations know that they can't get away with this, that they're going to lose they're going to lose in terms of their standing anywhere in the world. If they do action like this, then they're less likely to do it. If they think they can gain, then they're going to continue to do it. There are uh, elements within America, particularly within the Democrat Party, that are cheering for the Palestinian terrorists, that are calling Israel an apartheid state. There seems to be a growing element uh, within the Democrat Party, even part of the media in this respect, this is a uh, this this is a very more than troubling. This is an unconscionable uh, uh, event, isn't it? You see this this growing movement here. Well, any time that you have anybody that would side with terrorists against uh, against Israel, it's absolutely shameful. I was pleased, Mark, to hear. Many, many statements supporting Israel's right to defend itself, statements that came from across the political aisle. Some leaders in both parties were willing to come out very strongly um, saying that Israel has a right to defend itself. What I hope will happen as we move forward, because inevitably as you do these operations, as I said, you can have the most surgical uh, strikes that you can possibly imagine. But no matter what you do, there are always innocents. Who are harmed. I hope when that happens that that support does not diminish in any way, that people continue to back Israel, because believe me, there's no one here in the Middle East that cares more about keeping civilians out of harm's way than Israel. We value life. Our enemies value death. They glorify death and martyrdom. We value life, both the lives of our own citizens, obviously, but also the lives of Palestinians. And we will do anything that we can to keep those civilians out of harm's way. And if a tragedy happens, if a, if a missile misses its mark, uh, even in the most surgical strike by a few meters, that then you find out who is actually backing your right to defend yourself or who is going to dance to the terrorist tomb and who is going to start changing their positions. And one arena where you always see it, Mark, is in the U.N. Security Council because this is the place where the entire world goes to gang up on Israel. And it is very important for the U.S. administration, the Biden administration, which has thus far 
not allowed that gang up to happen. It is very important that they continue to maintain that position and allow Israel the time and space it needs to defeat this terror organization and to restore deterrence. Well, if the UN or the United States or the European Union says to Benjamin Netanyahu, it's time to stop, it's time to stop, obviously his number one priority is the protection of his country, so he's going to do what he has to do regardless, no? There's no question about it, and I must tell you, Mark, the people of Israel are united, and they understand that we have to continue this operation to exact that heavy price from Hamas. There is not a lot of dissent in Israel about this because we've got millions of Israelis in bomb shelters. We've got uh, hundreds and now well over a thousand missiles that have been fired, not just at Jerusalem, which has obviously the symbolic meaning of our capital, but a couple hundred rockets were fired into Tel Aviv yesterday. And, and people demand that their government give them this basic protection. How many people live in Tel Aviv? Well, there's greater Tel Aviv and Tel Aviv itself, but in the greater area of Tel Aviv, it's it's the heart of the country. Uh, and you're talking about well over a million people who mm-hmm. live there. And this, uh, if I can just add another point, this is one of the reasons why your government was so concerned about the Iranian regime not getting... Uh, missiles with nuclear warheads that could reach your cities because the Iron Dome can hit 99% of the missiles coming in, but it would only take one, correct? Yeah, well, I mean, that's a completely different order of threat. Iran represents a threat to the very survival of Israel because of their ambition, as you mentioned, to develop nuclear uh, weapons and also to build the missiles which can carry them, which frankly is what the Iran nuclear deal allows them to do. Uh, everybody thinks that the Iran nuclear deal blocks Iran's path to getting nuclear weapons. It doesn't. It actually paves that path. And in the meantime, they're building those uh, ballistic missiles that can carry nuclear weapons. And it's a very dangerous situation uh, in the Middle East. And I hope uh, that the the leading powers of the world will not go back into this nuclear deal with Iran. This would be a huge mistake for peace and security in the region. It is very important to continue to confront Iran, to continue to keep the pressure on. That type of strategy is what actually brought Israel and the Arab world together. It actually brought peace agreements by having the United States stand strong against the common enemy of both the Arab states and Israel. And I believe if the Biden administration continues that policy, then you will see peace expand. If it moves towards appeasing Iran, uh, then I believe it's going to set us back, and I think it's going to undermine security, not just uh, in Israel, but throughout the entire region. Just briefly, and finally explain to the American people, while your country is fighting the terrorists and the missiles that are coming in and so forth, your country, your military, also has to be watching for Iran and other enemies at the same time because of the multiple enemy factor that you have there, correct? Yeah, well, you know, we, Moses, it, they, so there's a joke that said that uh, the, the problem was that Moses stuttered because he meant to take us to uh, Canada, but, you know, he <laughs> said, ka, 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 and then everyone went to Canaan, uh, which ultimately is the land of Israel. So, uh, unfortunately, we don't have the neighbors uh, that you have, will uh, a lot of people think that the key to peace is mutually agreed land swaps. I think it's mutually agreed neighbor swaps. So maybe we take <laughs> Canada and we'll give you Syria. And I understand you have a lot of issues with uh, with Mexico. Uh, we're happy to take Mexico, and you could take your pick in the region. And so we'll keep Mexico. We, you can have Biden. We have, but anyway, go ahead. We have, 
we have we have a very dangerous uh, region that we're in. We are blessed that we were able to achieve peace with Egypt that has held and weathered many, many storms for 40 years. We're blessed to have a peace agreement with Jordan uh, and all its difficulties, but that is held for over 25 years. And we were blessed uh, in the last year to achieve peace agreements with four uh, Arab countries. But despite those peace agreements, we still have uh, the very significant danger of Iran and its proxies. And Iran is a problem in Iraq, in Syria, in Lebanon, in Yemen, in Gaza. It supplies arms to all of its proxies through the region that both uh, endanger Israel and also endanger our Arab neighbors. And this, again, is why the importance of standing strong against Iran is so important for peace in the region. It is very important not to embolden Iran, not to embolden any of its proxies, and Islamic Jihad is a fully paid subsidiary of Iran. Hamas is supported by Iran. It is very important to send a message to stand strongly against Iran and to stand strongly for Israel. And I hope that this backing that the U.S. administration has given for Israel's right to defend itself, I think, I hope that it will continue in the days ahead and actually be strengthened in the days ahead and that we can get other countries around the world to stand strongly with Israel. I'll tell you the best thing that could be done right now, frankly, Mark, for Israel by different countries in the international community. You know, a lot of countries have said over the last uh, couple of years since the United States made under uh, President Trump made the historic decision to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and move the American embassy there. There are several countries who have considered it in recent years. This would be a wonderful time to do that because the message it would send to the terrorists is that they lost, that they thought they were going to actually gain diplomatically, and now they lose diplomatically. And countries around the world, whether it's Canada, Australia, uh, some Eastern European countries that were thinking about moving their embassy, if they did that now, That would send a message, a resounding message to the terrorists that terrorism doesn't pay. It sets the cause back. And not only will every Palestinian understand that, but terrorists throughout the world will understand. All right, we're going to take a little break here. That was my conversation earlier with the former ambassador of the United States from Israel, Ron Dermer, because I think it's like 3.20 or something in the morning in Israel, and we didn't want to put him through that. But there's more to come. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. 
Reminder, I will be on Hannity about an hour from now, 9.35 p.m. Eastern Time. Again, I want to encourage you, as strongly as I know how, please go over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or what's that little store called, Walmart? Uh, but uh, we want to get as many pre-ordered copies of American Marxism as we can. These generals and admirals are absolutely correct. They're absolutely correct when they say the United States is embroiled in an existential fight and urged all citizens to get involved. And they say the conflict is between supporters of socialism and Marxism versus supporters of constitutional freedom and liberty. Sounds like exactly what's in the book. 82,000 words or so. The longest book I've ever written was 68,000 words. That doesn't mean it's, oh my God, it's so heavy to... No. But like I said earlier in the program, you take your time, you're in no rush, you go from page to page, chapter to chapter, and then we get to the end and we're going to do this together. We want to make the Tea Party movement, which I was part of, which many of you were part of, we want to breathe life back into a movement just like it and make it even larger and more sustainable. Because the battle we face now is even more complicated. It's in our classrooms, our government schools, and our colleges and universities. It's in our culture. It's in the media coming across our television screens. It is everywhere. Sports. And so we're going to have to be smarter, more flexible, and more united than ever before. And that's the point of American Marxism. Mark, what can I do? Well, this is my, my Thomas Paine pamphlet, if you will. And when he wrote The American Crisis, it wasn't just one pamphlet. It was a series of pamphlets. But you remember the first pamphlet and the first paragraph. The opening chapter of this book, I think, is enormously powerful, too. So everybody's watching. Everybody in the media world, everybody in the publishing world, academia is watching, watching us, watching you and me. And we're going to demonstrate to them that we're not going anywhere. That we're going to protect our country, our children, and our grandchildren. So thank you those who have, and thank you those who are going to. When we come back, the rest and final few minutes of my interview with the former ambassador to the United States from Israel, Ron Dermott. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Mark Levin. America's Tyranny Hunter. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Here are my final few minutes with my interview with the uh, former ambassador of the United States from Israel and uh, 
confidant of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, Ron Dermer. Go. Mr. Ambassador, I'm reading here about a town called Lod that the mayor there at one point said, this is Kristallnacht again, that we have Arab gangs roaming the streets, going after Jewish families, three synagogues were burned. What can you tell us about this? Yeah, well, unfortunately, you had something of a pogrom in the, in the city of Lod uh, last night, and it had to do with not having enough security forces there, something that has changed today because uh, Israel sent quite uh, a large contingency of security forces uh, to protect the residents of the town. And a lot of those people in the city were defenseless by essentially uh, an Arab mob um, that burned cars, attacked people, burned synagogues. It was a very, very dangerous situation, and it has ignited an even more dangerous situation throughout the country in several cities where Jews and Arabs live together because because of the lack of support for the, the Jewish community in Lod, many Jews have now... Um, gone there tonight. They also went to other cities in order to protect the population and because they feel that the, the police is not doing enough to protect the population. And while you have many people of goodwill who are there sim- simply trying to provide protection for the local residents uh, and stand up to these mobs, you also have um, some Jews who have taken the law into their own hands and have attacked Arabs as well. And so we have to put a stop to this as quickly as possible. It is very important. Look, you can have radicals on all sides. You can have uh, Jewish radicals and you can have Arab radicals. The big difference that you see in Israel is what is the response of the leaders to the radicals? That's the question. What is the response of the leaders to the mob? Israeli leaders across the spectrum, left and right, condemn any acts of Jewish vigilantism. Any acts of Jews would, you know, lynch an Arab citizen of the country to try to take the law into their own hands. That is roundly condemned. The problem that we have in Israel is when you have acts of aggression of Arabs against Jews, you do not see the leadership of uh, the Arab population, the political leadership, I should say, because you do have some religious leaders who speak out. But the political leadership of the Arabs do not speak out forcefully against it. And it's, and it's very, very unfortunate that this has happened. I must tell you, in the last year, there's been a, a coming together. And it's, it's hard to believe this when you see the scenes coming out of Israel. But there's been a strengthening of relations between Jews and Arabs. You saw that after the Abraham Accords. We saw that in the battle against Corona, where if you go to an Israeli hospital, Mark, you will see Jews and Arabs together, doctors and nurses working together to save lives around the clock. And I think there are elements within the Israeli Arab sector who are trying to undermine and to tear at that fabric of coexistence. This is certainly in the interest of Hamas. It's an interest of all the radical forces in the region to prevent Jews and Arabs from having coexistence within Israel. Uh, I I think it's very, very bad. Hopefully we can put uh, a stop to it as quickly as possible. Everyone should condemn acts of violence um, on both sides. And it's very important to restore common Israel because we are fighting at the same time that this is happening in several Israeli cities. We are fighting against the terror organization who's firing these rockets and is committed to our destruction. So it's very important that we unite. We we do whatever we can in order to secure our, our citizens. 
and hopefully put Israel back on a path towards coexistence between its Jewish and Arab citizens. All right, Mr. Ambassador, we want to thank you for your time. We pray for the people of Israel, and we hope you and your family are safe as well, and God bless you, sir. Thank you. All right. Ron Dermer, the former ambassador to the United States from Israel. Now, Joe Biden was speaking earlier tonight about his great success with the vaccines that he neither developed nor originally distributed. And there was a part of what he had to say that was left out. But luckily, I am the cleanup hitter, and we found it, and I want to play it for you. Here it goes. And there were some questions that were asked me. Here is a question. Professor, why do you wear tennis shoes? Well, that's a two-part question. First, you ask why. Well, why has been plaguing man since time immemorial? Statesmen, philosophers, educators, teachers, scientists have been asking the ultimate why. And in these few moments allocated me, it would be ludicrous on my part, for the sake of brevity, to delve into the ultimate why. Do I wear sneakers? Yes! And so I feel that we must appreciate not only understanding, but as Joachim ben Zakai once said, remember, wherever you go, there you are. Well, there you have it. Actually... It's a comedian, obviously. Professor Erwin Corey sounds smarter than uh, Joe Biden. Now, Mr. Producer, we're going to give this a try again. Our phone system is kaput. But are the phones ringing? Is there, is there anybody we want to just take cold? Let's give it another shot. Go ahead. Hello there. Are you there? Hello? I'm not hearing anyone, Mr. Producer. Let's try again, shall we? Hello, Frank's Pizzeria, are you there? Dead. I told you our phone system's dead. We got one call through. That was it. I feel like this is uh, the uh, East German system here that we have here, uh, but not. Black Lives Matter Los Angeles put out a statement earlier today. It said, Black Lives Matter Los Angeles stands in solidarity with the Palestinians in Sheikh Jarrah and the West Bank. We are a movement committed to ending settler colonialism in all forms and will continue to advocate for Palestinian liberation. So the Simon Wiesenthal Center responded, don't conflate U.S. domestic issues with our country. Jewish people's connection to land of Israel goes back 3,000 years. Indigenous people aren't colonialists in their own land. How do you like that? Black Lives Matter is involved in the BDS movement, of course. Boycott, divest, sanction, which is intended to choke off Israel's economic lifelines, and uh, this was pushed originally by the Palestinians, of course. Two-state solution, you see. And uh, these words have been regurgitated, essentially, by Talib and uh, Omar. Uh, now, Talib is the child of Palestinians who came from the Middle East to the United States and settled, of course, in Michigan. Omar 
uh, is a refugee who came to the United States as a teenager, both Muslims, of course. And they both hate our country. I don't think there's any question about it. And they hate the state of Israel. I don't think there's any question about it. And then when you add in Aach, AOC, who grew up in a fairly decent neighborhood in Westchester, New York, even though she pretends otherwise, what was her name they gave her? Some Anglo name that she used. Whatever it was. Of course, she's long done away with that. Uh, she, and she's not alone, have joined in in their hatred. And Chuck Schumer hasn't condemned them, hasn't said a damn thing. Nancy Pelosi hasn't condemned them, hasn't said a damn thing. The Democrats, who are Jewish in the House and in the Senate, haven't said a damn thing. Biden and Harris haven't condemned it in the least. At all. Because the Democrat Party has thrown in with these anti-Semites and these Marxists. That's a fact, and I'm prepared to defend it. In fact, it's so obvious, it doesn't even need defending. The media in America are almost silent on the subject. Have you noticed? But not me. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Don't forget, I'll be on Hannity, 9.35 p.m. Eastern Time. And whatever time that is for you folks, you'll know better than I. I had fun with that first caller, though. Can we try again or no? Hello there. How are you? Hello. How are you? Good, good. What is your first name, sir, if you want to talk to Mark? Uh, First name is Ryan. And uh, where are you from? Uh, Just outside the People's Republic of Portland here in Oregon. Uh, Before I put you on with Mark, can you prove that, sir? Uh, Yes, how do I go about that? Can you prove that you're Ryan? Yes, uh, how do I prove that, though? Well, you called here, sir. How can I tell you how to prove it? Well, I just, uh, my name's Ryan. I, what else do you need, sir? I'm just messing with you. This is Mark. How are you, Ryan? What would you like to tell the audience? Uh-oh. Ryan. <laughs> Can't we 
have a little bit of fun. We have to have a little bit of fun. I don't think I should do that to another caller. Do you, Mr. Producer? I can, really? Hold on. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you, sir? Good. What's your name? Your first name only, please. Uh, Michael. Where are you from? I'm from uh, Delaware. Why are you in Delaware? I'm not sure. Why would you live where Joe Biden spent his entire life? I'm thinking Florida sounds like a better place to be at. What does? Florida. Florida, yes. So why are you in Wilmington, for crying out loud? I'm in Georgetown, uh, south. How many people are in Delaware? 17 or 18? Well, they say uh, around 900,000, but I I don't know if I believe that. Well, now that the Biden family's moved out, hey, did you ever meet Hunter Biden? I did not, unfortunately. Mm Mm-hmm. You say you did not? No, I did not. Can you prove that? Oh, man. All I can tell you is I didn't. I could uh, give you three mail-in votes saying I didn't. Mm Mm-hmm. Whatever you said, I agree with. So why are you you calling the Mark Levin Show? How may I help you? I just want to agree with your open monologue about the... uh, Ah, hell, he knew it was me the whole time. I couldn't disguise my voice. Go right ahead, sir. Well, you're, you're talking about the difference in people, and mm-hmm. I feel like a majority of the people that are anti-American are getting 700 bucks a week to sit home, do whatever they want, and the rest of us are out there working. You have inflation. Pretty soon we're going to have, basically, we're going to do stagflation, and what can we do about it? Mm-hmm. Well, we... <clears throat> Inflation, there's not a hell of a lot we can do about it right now, uh, to be honest with you. What you got to do is look at your own uh, money, where it is, talk to people who know what they're doing, maybe an accountant or something like that, financial planner, and figure out where to put your money, because inflation is coming. Uh, Oddly enough, uh, when there's inflation, certificates of deposit, I'm just giving you a personal example, they they return... uh, much higher interest rates, so a lot of people, particularly retired people, move their money into certificates of deposit. I only know that because of the last massive round of inflation in the late 70s and early 80s. Um, uh, that's where people were putting their money in certificates of deposit. And they were getting returns of like 16%. As a nation, uh, we have to start winning elections, and we have to t- start reversing course, uh, because... Uh, the spending and so forth is obviously completely out of control. How do you reverse it, though, when people are getting paid? Well, it's home? happening now. There's 30 states. I believe it's uh, 12 or 14 states that have already canceled uh, the increase in unemployment compensation. And there's 30 states total that I guess another 16 or so states that are looking to do exactly that. So that's a good start, well, don't you think? One of the states have done it. No, several states have done it. I just said I think it's 12, listen, 12 or 14 states have actually done it. That's impressive. It's very. What? Delaware has not done that. Well, Delaware doesn't do anything. (laughs) No, we don't. Yeah, you breed Democrats. You got two dummies in the Senate. You got a dummy in the House. You got a dummy in the uh, Oval Office. So, uh... (coughs) 
11 and a half years left in my job, and I'm done. I'm out of the state. That reminds, <laughs> that reminds me of an old commercial that was chased off the air. There was a postal worker, and I happen to be one of those that likes postal workers. There's a postal worker, and he's saying, only 10,312 days until I retire. And everybody figured out and said, wait, that's like 30 years. So that sounds like you. Hey, I only have 11 and a half years, and I'm getting out of here. Yep. yep. You don't work for the post office, do you? No. Uh, I work for a police department in the state of Delaware. And that's oh, as far you're as a I'll cop? Go with that. I am. Well, it's nice to meet you, sir. Take care of yourself. And try and get the hell out of that state. Because I know they won't have your back. Just saying. Thank you. Don't forget, I will be on Hannity in one hour. Excuse me, one half hour. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. And folks, please head over to Amazon. Get your copies pre-ordered of American Marxism. I think once you read it, you'll see why. So I'll see you in about a half hour on Fox on Hannity. God bless.